thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So, we've been looking at priorities and prioritising this morning and um, or this last few weeks and we've done the book of Haggai, we've looked at the priorities within that and we go on to Zechariah and they were both around at the same time but I need to warn you, Haggai was pretty straight talking, Zechariah was a bit of a dreamer and a bit weird, okay, he was a bit strange, there's all sorts of things like flying scrolls, women in baskets, horns, blacksmiths, things that we couldn't possibly understand and if you want to know more about all of that side of things, see Jeff. Because Jeff will, Jeff will tell you all about it. And um, he had eight visions where they were like symmetrical in the sense that the first one and the eighth one were the same. The second one and the seventh one were the same. And it's like a bit, yeah. And the first chapters of the visions of Zechariah that he had, he was a bit of a dreamer. And then it comes to some poems and there's no straight way of reading Zechariah. So what we're not going to do over the next few weeks is just go through chapter by chapter. We're not going to do that. We're going to pull out some themes from Zechariah and we're going to get an overview because Zechariah was interested in the now and the next. Okay? Haggai was very much, look at what happened before, and Zechariah was like the now and the next. That's what he's looking at. So back in the day, there was a man who used to stand in Lancaster city centre And there's a picture, I think, that Paul's got uh, on the screen that will come up. There was a man who used to stand in Lancaster Shopping Centre with a sandwich board. And I don't mean he was offering a buffet. He was uh, stood there like this. The end of the world is nigh. Repent of your sins, you know. In big writing. And generally, people would just walk past him, maybe point at him, maybe laugh at him, maybe avoid him. Maybe they would read it and feel a pang of guilt. But in the most part, it became so commonplace that it could easily be ignored. You know, you could go in any city or town and see somebody like this, and other people would just write them off as a bit crazy. You know, oh, there's the crazy man. The end of the world is nigh. Repent of your sins. And actually, the message became avoidable because it just was there. Even though it's in massive writing, it's right in front of your face, you could ignore it. You could avoid it because actually you'd seen it that many times and you just thought, instead of looking at the words and realizing that there's truth in it, you looked at the man and went, oh, he's a bit crazy, so I'm just going to ignore him, I'm going to avoid him. But actually, this is a message that runs throughout the whole Bible. But it's not necessarily the end is nigh, repent of your sins, it's the kingdom of God is here. Repent of our sins. So actually, we're going to look today at Zechariah. His book is slightly longer than Haggai. We're not going to read it in entirety, as I say, but Haggai was all about restoring the physical building, restoring the temple, the visible presence of God. Zechariah is all about restoring your relationship with God, restoring the relationship. People often say to me, oh, Johnny, you're religious. I'm not religious. And you might think that's a bit weird. He stood at the front of church. Religious means doing something just out of routine. You know, you could do, you could brush your teeth religiously, religiously, how you do Okay, You could do lots of things religiously, but 
in this church and in many churches across our country, we talk about a relationship. It's a relationship with the Father God. And Zechariah is all about restoring that relationship. And it was restored ultimately through Jesus. And the message Zechariah starts with is this very message. It's we can't get near to him and he can't get near to us. Come back to me and I'll come back to you. Return to me and I'll return to you. We can't get near sometimes because we've got so much baggage and we're holding so much stuff. I can remember at the old building, uh, I brought one of those big uh, exercise balls. You know the ones I mean? Yeah, yeah, the big grey exercise balls. And I got, I held it and I got Joel to come and try and give me a cuddle because I'm Joel's dad, obviously. And, and actually, he couldn't get near me because I was holding this massive exercise ball. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that's what we're like with God. That's what Zechariah starts with. Come near to me and I'll come near to you. In other words, get rid of the stuff that blocks the relationship. Get rid of the things in life that stop it. Repent. Turn direction. We've said this, haven't we, through Haggai. Don't dwell in the past and don't get stuck in the same ruts that you've always been in. So Zechariah chapter 1, as was beautifully read, there's a few points in it. One of them is, don't be like your parents. Sorry, Joel. Yeah, amen. Don't be like your parents. Because your parents might be great, but be like your dad. Don't be like your parents, be like your dad. That's what Zechariah is saying. Don't be like your ancestors who ignored it, who ignored that man with the sandwich board because the writing was big. Don't ignore the message of God. You could come to this church every week, sing some nice songs, sing some songs you don't like maybe sometimes. You could sometimes come and listen to me droning on and walk out the door and nothing be different other than you might know some funny stories about my family or not so funny stories, yeah? Basically, the message is the same, but don't ignore it. Zechariah says, don't be like your parents. They ignored and stubbornly refused to listen. They stubbornly refused to listen to what God was saying. God kept saying the same thing. And we don't like it when repetition comes, do we? But this message in chapter 1 of Zechariah comes two months after Haggai's first. So a little bit of a recap for those who have not been here. Haggai talked about they'd started building the temple. You with me? There's a lot of vacant faces looking at me today. I'm like, okay. They'd started rebuilding the temple. They'd put the altar in place for the sacrifices, but they'd given up because of pressures around them. They didn't want to do it. Thanks, Becca, for smiling at me. That's good. They'd put the altar in place, but they hadn't carried on because of pressures outside. They'd stopped. Maybe it was other person. They'd neglected it. Now, God says it's personal. It's no longer about the building. You might have started with my presence. You've begun again. You've, reali you've realized the error of your ways. You've started to do those things again. But actually, it's more than the building. Don't be like your parents. We do the Freedom in Marriage course. And actually, one of the things it starts off with, it says, when you're married, you bring things from your parents into your marriage. You bring things from your ancestors into what you're bringing. And, you know, that means Ros effectively is marrying my mum and dad. That's worrying Worrying for Ros. But also it means I'm sort of marrying Ros's mum and dad. Sorry, Carol. It's worrying. Because <laughs> actually we bring things from outside into our relationships. And Zechariah says, don't be like your parents. Be like your dad. Don't be like your earthly parents. Because they ignore things. They let things go. It's hard, isn't it? I used to answer the phone when I lived at home. And people would think I was my dad. 
because I sound like my dad. I now look like my dad. I can't help those things. And there's certain things about my dad I would love to copy. But my dad's not perfect. I could put him on a pedestal and go, oh, my dad's wonderful. He was really good. He did this. He did the other. But actually, he's still not perfect. The only perfect picture of a father we have is that of God. And it's really hard for me not to be like my dad. Our ancestors refused to listen. And the ones who refused to listen, they've gone now. That's what Zechariah says. The ones who brought the message, they've gone now. But the message remains. The message remains. The people who brought it have gone. One day, I will be gone. It might be soon, who knows. But the message remains. Repent. In other words, turn from the old ways to your new. Turn from the old family ways to your new family, to God the Father, his ways. His ways are greater. His ways are higher. We sung it this morning. Our God is greater. Even Zechariah says, turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. That sounds really harsh to us, doesn't it? If I said to you, what evil have you done this week? <laughs> Anyone? Oh, Faye, fe- <laughs> confession time. People at the back, if I said to you, what evil have you done this week? Would you be putting your hand up and going, actually, yes, I have been quite evil. You may be going, hmm, I don't know. The word evil, we think, oh, well, I'm not evil. I've not done anything evil. But actually, the word evil really is just anything that isn't good. (laughs) Let's not get hung up on a word that sounds like a James Bond buddy. Okay? Basically, the Bible says all of us have made mistakes. Every single one of us. And we need God to put it right. Because God is holy. So actually, when I say who's done evil this week, we should all be putting our hands up. Because actually, even our thoughts can be evil. You might not think of them as evil. Even, you know, who's, who's been a bit cross with another driver this week? Anyone? Yeah. That's evil. The thoughts you've thought about those drivers, you know, how dare they cut me up at the lights? How dare they drive faster than me and get in front of me? I've queued for ages. I was really cross on Wednesday night because I was coming back from Liverpool and the uh, I decided to avoid the queue of traffic and go around a double roundabout system. And boy, was I glad, because there was a slip road closed. No warning, but if I'd have sat in that queue of traffic and then discovered the slip road was closed, I'd have been even more annoyed. But my thoughts towards the people who'd put those cones in front of that slip road weren't probably the best. So evil is a funny word, isn't it? But the Bible says don't do it. Don't do what God wouldn't want you to do. That is what the message is. Maybe we flinch a little at the evil word, but maybe you need to hear this as if you're hearing it for the first time. Stop doing the stuff that God doesn't like. That's what Zechariah is saying. Maybe you've heard it like the man with the sandwich board over and over again, and you've easily ignored it, and you've gone, well, it doesn't really matter anymore. I've started building the altar in my life. I've started putting those in place. It doesn't really matter Zechariah says, repent. And it says they did. The main message is, return to me and I will return to you. Return to me and I will return to you. We've got to take the first step. That's what it's saying. We've got to return. When I was growing up, we had a little dash hound, little dash hound called Ben. And he went to somebody else's house, little dog, if you didn't know what a dash hound was, sorry. It's not like some weird thing. Little dog. 
and um, we, we sent it to someone's house to, to be looked after. And she took it on a walk and let it off his lead. Now, he was never used to being off his lead, and he got chased off, and he went missing. And we were devastated, because part of the family had gone. I know it's only a dog. For some of you are like, yeah, I'd, I'd be quite glad if Miley ran off at the moment. Sorry, Chloe. <laughs> because I think, you know, it's probably in the best interests of everybody. But hey, but Ben went missing. Oh, I'm sorry, that's an evil thought, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just illustrating my message okay yeah 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 but I had this dash hound or my sister did called Ben he ran off we were devastated we put adverts out I think they put him on Piccadilly Radio and I can remember the moment Ben came back he didn't come to the house and ring the doorbell and go hello I was finishing my swimming lesson. I can remember it vividly. I came off my swimming lesson and had those fish and chip crisps. Do you remember those? Yeah, they were great. What happened to them? Do they still make them? Oh, I have to get myself some. Fish and chip crisps. And I came out and there in the car was little ragged Ben. Oh, oh. And actually, the excitement, the joy, the relief because he'd returned to us. You know, God wants to celebrate our return to him. And this verse says, return to me and I'll return to you. We had tried to return to the dog, but we didn't know where he was. We couldn't find him. God knows where you are, and you know where God is. <laughs> so return to him. Return to him, and he will return to you. So the priority at the beginning of this book is to return to God and all his ways. And the promise is he will return to you. Do you want God to return to us? Yeah. You might say, well, he is with me because I'm a Christian. It's true. But think of those things we put in the way. Maybe they're quite hidden. I said to you, Zechariah was a little bit weird. I'm a little bit weird. Okay. Has anybody noticed anything different about me today? What? Oh, I've got white trainers on. Well spotted. Anything else? Not you. I smell, that's not very nice. It's an evil thought. Anyone else notice anything different? I've lost my Alex. Lost weight. You're just creeping now. Okay. I've got. Told you I was a bit weird, didn't I? Okay. Whoa, look at that, eh? Because I was in America, the kids were buying Heelys. I'm thinking, do they do adult sizes? Yes, they do. I'll have a pair, please. I've had these for years. How often have I worn them? Not often. But do you know what? These actually can be cause a problem. If I didn't know what I'm doing, I could fall flat on my back. And these actually, they might be fun. They are quite fun. Look. Look at the smile on my face. Okay. Oh, see? But these things in my shoes could cause me to fall flat on my backside. They could cause me to stumble and fall. But they're hidden. You only really noticed the white trainers, didn't you? You didn't notice. I'm going to take them off in case I do fall over. Yeah? Did you notice them? Yeah, yeah. You're on the front row. <laughs> so there's little wheels in. You might be going through life with little wheels in your life that might be quite good fun. And they might be hidden that nobody else really sees them. And actually, they might cause you to fall flat on your backside. And actually, this chapter of Zechariah 
has given me some value for money out of those trainers. <laughs> because it says, return to me and I will return to you. God's promise is if we get rid of the stuff that causes us to fall on our faces, then he will come and flood our lives. You know, we can be filled with God's presence right now, but we block it with other stuff. And so the message this morning is very, very simple. Maybe you're a Christian today, and you think, Johnny, we already know this. I've come to church, I want to know um, lots more information about the Bible than you're telling me this morning. I know I'm supposed to repent, and I'm a Christian, so I've already repented. I've already turned from the old into the new. But let's look at it this way, please. So if this is for you, if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian a long time, this message in Zechariah was given to God's people. They were already God's people. So if you're already a Christian, this message is for you. Secondly, they'd already put the altar in the place, ready for the sacrifice, ready for the service, and ready for the worship. But this message was still for them. If you consider yourself God's man or woman, then this message is still for you. Secondly, it's a repeated message. Do we think repetition is important? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Repetition helps us to remember. Well, not only did Zechariah say it, return to me and I will return to you. The end is nigh, repent. I will dwell with you. But also, John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, in his ministry, hundreds of years later, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2 says this, or verses 1 and 2 says this, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's come near, but it's not quite come to you. John the Baptist repeats Zechariah's message, repent, change your ways, turn from the old to the new, and God's kingdom will come near. Chapter later, Jesus himself, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time on, this is the very beginning of what Jesus said to people, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. What did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. If you're a Christian this morning, near isn't enough. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is within us through his spirit. The kingdom of heaven is now. That's the message in Zechariah. Whether you're a Christian or not, the message is the same. Repent, turn, and he will come near. Return to him and he will return to you. You know, Liverpool were chasing a title win against Manchester City many years ago. And they came up with a phrase that in every game it was, we go again, we go again, we go again. Stephen Gerrard slipped famously and let Chelsea score. The message afterwards was, we go again, we go again. Do you know this word return is also translated, go again. So this morning, maybe God is calling you to go again to return once more, to get close. Not just near, not just near, but in the midst of his presence. Not just close, but have him living and dwelling right at the heart of your life. 
all the obstacles removed. I have got a little, um, a little piece of uh, metal that, that gets these wheels out. I can remove the problem, but I need to get the, the, the tool that does it. I can't do it in my hands, it won't come out. I can't do it myself, I need something else to get it out. Do you know, this morning, God says, remove the thing that's the problem. Go again. And the idea was that they went again for victory. Do you know, we can go again for victory because Jesus has already won it. His faithfulness is to keep going with us. I read a, a definition of what it means, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It says this, the kingdom of heaven has come near means this, the establishment of God's rule in the hearts and lives of his people. The overcoming of all the forces of evil, the removal from the world of all the consequences of sin, including death and all that diminishes life, and the creation of a new order of righteousness and peace. The idea of God's kingdom is central to Jesus' teaching and is mentioned 50 times in Matthew alone has come near. Let me ask you this morning, do you want it just to be near? Are you content with it just being close? No. There's a way you can be in it. John the Baptist preaching this message. Jesus preaching this message. Those preachers of doom may have been right to say repentance is important. But they were trying to scare people. The end is near. We've got an encouraging message. Repent because then you're in God's kingdom. Turn from it and then you are in a new life. From Zechariah to John the Baptist to Jesus, the message was repent because his kingdom can start now in you. It can start today with you because Jesus has won the victory. The message was for all, those that had heard it before, those that were going to hear it. The ancestors of, that Zechariah were talking about had ignored the call. Will you ignore the call today? Or will you say, no, I need to go again? Second priority in this passage is forgiveness. Jesus' parable about the unforgiving servant. Yeah, we've read that where the unforgiving servant goes to the king, owing thousands and thousands of pounds, and says, oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. And the king wipes off the debt. Then the servant goes outside and finds someone who owes him, owes him a tenner and gets him against a wall and says, I'm going to kill you because you've not repaid my 10 pounds. We look at that as an extreme, but actually the second priority in this passage is forgiveness. We might look at that and say, I'm not like that, but we are. We need to forgive because we've been forgiven. That's what return to me and I will return to you means. You forgive as I forgive. Today, as I finish, we take communion again. We take the bread and we take the, the juice that reminds us of Jesus' blood and Jesus' body. So it's so appropriate that we start with this message because today, as we take that cup, as we take that bread, you can say, I'm going to go again. Before you take it, you can say, God, I'm so sorry for the, the things I've done, for the evil practices, even though I don't like the word evil. God, I've gone again. I want to start again. Repent because the new beginning is here. That's the message of Zechariah 1. Repent, return, come back, and he will come back to you. The early church in Acts says this. Repent and be refreshed. Who wants to be refreshed? Repent. Repent and have new life. Who wants to have new life? Repent. Repent and receive Jesus. Who wants to receive Jesus this morning? Repent. Repent and show it with your actions. Words aren't enough. Forgiving and say, God, I forgive them, and then acting out hate isn't good. 
Repent and show it. Repent and know the truth. Repent and be baptized. Those are the priorities for us today. Repent. Change. Change life. Change mind from the old to the new. Where are we called to him this morning? Where have we moved away from his embrace? Where have we become a little hard of hearing and started to ignore his message? Where have we stopped seeing his truth? We take this bread today to remember Jesus' body crushed and given for us. We take this cup to remember his shed blood poured out for us. Why? So we could get rid of the wheels that are hidden in our lives. So we could get rid of the blockage that stops us getting close. So that we could return to him and him to us. And if there's an issue between you and somebody else, deal with it now. So you don't remember it, and so you don't remember forgiveness while being unforgiving. Because Jesus died while we were still sinners. This morning, if you've never been to church before, it's a serious message. Because the end is nigh. <laughs> but the kingdom of God starts here. And God says, turn to me, and I will turn to you. Do you know, forgiveness was there before we asked for it. The Bible says Jesus died while we were still sinners. Forgiveness doesn't have to be asked for, it's there to receive. And this morning, we can all receive it. 